Hello, Internet. Mike and Andy here with our, our special friend Heather Avis is with us today. Um, we She does not have the uh, privilege of being in the WorldVox headquarters with us. She is calling. Where are you calling from? I'm in the World Avis headquarters, which is in Monrovia, California. Beautiful. So the, the <laughs> and if you don't know where Monrovia is, uh, just picture a desert turned up on high and... Um, and it's nice. I mean, it's nice, Monrovia, this time of year. It's nice. Um, but it, is, it, it does not touch the uh, World Vox headquarters in Brea. Uh, so we're sorry you're not here. However, due to the wonders and the um, perplexities of modern technology, we have some sort of fuzzy connection with you. We are thrilled we have any connection, but we apologize yeah. if our audio is just a little off today as we were scrambling for about half an hour to figure out how to pull this off. However, um, we want to remind you, we, we did an interview um, with Heather and her husband and, uh, and Andy and Mercedes and myself and Justina last year at exactly this time because March 21st is coming. And March 21st, Andy, is? World Down Syndrome Day. So we're going to record this today um, and we are, uh, we're going to release it on World Down Syndrome Eve Day yeah. Eve, World Sound, World Down Syndrome Day Eve yeah, is when this podcast will be right. released. It's the Christmas Eve of Down well, Syndrome. Yes, right. and uh, as it happens, if you remember our podcast from a year ago, we all have children uh, with Down Syndrome, and so I, I just want to briefly um, remind you of our families and how they were constituted, <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> kind of get into a bit. So Heather, we'll we'll start with you. Tell us. Tell us names and ages and uh, uh, um, all sorts of abilities and whatever, whatever else you want to share with us. All the things. I have three ridiculously awesome children. I have an eight-year-old whose name is Mason, a little girl named Mason. She has Down syndrome. She'll be nine in June. Nice. I have a five-year-old, Truly, who will actually, she's going to be six next month in a couple weeks. Um, wow, that's really old. <laughs> and she does not have social needs. And uh, my youngest is August. He's three. He also has Down syndrome. And all three of our kids came to be ours via adoption. Which is a story we're going to tell uh, a little bit There's of. A little bit of a story. Yeah, there. yeah. There is a little bit of a story. And 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 um, and Heather, since this time last year, has decided to share her story in the form of a book that I have read. And endorse, and it's coming out on World Down Syndrome Day. Uh, interestingly enough, so um, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But um, would love that, Andy. R remind us of your beautiful family. Yep. So I have um, my oldest daughter is Sunflower, and she is going to be four in June. Um, my son Rhodes, who is a little bit over two. And then I have another son coming on the way in May. Yeah. Yeah. How'd, so, that, how'd that happen? Um, storks, actually, <laughs> where it's kind of like FedEx, but with birds. And so um, we got a tracking number and all of that. So, um, yeah, he's, a, that's, uh, he's arriving in May. And then, um, of course, my, my wonderful dog, Juno. <laughs> <laughs> Those dog lovers out there, they'll appreciate that. I associate her with my family. Oh boy, um, awesome! Yeah, um, probably the most familiar are, are the the triad of uh, Nathaniel, <laughs> Hannah, and Seth. And uh, Seth is um, uh, a bit of dust let, left over from the Big Bang that God decided to package in a human person <laughs> and uh, and um, and explode onto the scene in form of Sefi. Mm -hmm. So Seth is Love eight. It. Seth is eight. And um, yep, Nate and Hannah, uh, 11 and uh, and 13. Now, for, for you, Andy, and for you, Heather, um, what was the journey like to adopt, to mm -hmm. choose, to prefer uh, a child with Down syndrome um, in the adoption process? Mm -hmm. um, Heather, I'll let you go first on that. Yeah, um, I think for us, it was not as holy as it may sound in the <laughs> sense that we didn't initially say, yes, we're adopting a child with Down syndrome. Yeah. There was a long series of events that were 
some incredible highs and some very low lows and everything in between, where the Lord made it very clear at one point that we were going to adopt a little girl who has Down syndrome. Um, And so we ended up doing that, but there were, and I had struggled with infertility. And so there's this discussion that parents have a lot with when we talk about having a child with Down syndrome and getting this diagnosis. And for the most part, the reaction to the diagnosis is universal in the sense that it's um, just kind of like an utter devastation or feeling really sad that this is what the reality is now. And so I didn't, I feel like my devastation and my heartache were mostly found in my infertility Mm. and the Down syndrome. I had a blink of that um, because it wasn't, we weren't ever pursuing a child with Down syndrome initially. Got it. Um, But really that the heartache for me was the infertility piece. Oh man, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and then by the time we got to the Lord presenting us with this little girl with Down syndrome, um, there was a, there was a moment of no, this was not the plan. We're not doing this. <laughs> but then we did, and it was. I mean, it's. I think a lot of people too can start in that that area of just utter devastation, which sounds really dramatic, but I think that can be the case. And then it doesn't take very long to get to the other side of it yeah. with like utter elation yep. of, wow, look what we get to do. This right. is amazing. You're so right. We got there. I mean, we got there the second she was in our arms. Was, wow, I can't believe I get to parent your child with Down syndrome. This is incredible. Right. Yeah. But a lot of your grieving had already been been done. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really interesting way to put that, Heather. Thank you. What about mm. you, Andy? Yeah. Because um, Sunny was your first. Right. Right. Yeah. For, for us, it's, it's, it was interesting. I mean, we, um, you know, I, I have my wife completely to thank for even the inclination to have a desire to adopt a child with special needs. Um, I mean, for us, it was, it was an interesting kind of time period of even how that came about because we came off of, um, we came uh, kind of our, after our first couple of years of marriage and we were, you know, kind of getting ready to have kids. Uh, we had a number, a couple different, uh, big kind of crisis and tragedies that, that happened in our family. One, uh, namely that, uh, we had, a, we had a miscarriage, a first trimester miscarriage, um, in our, uh, in October of, uh, I believe it was 2000 and, um, I guess 11. And then shortly after within about, uh, three months on new year's day, uh, Mercedes brother tragically passed away. So kind of that whole year going through 2012 was just a, a very long grieving process for us of, um, emotionally, psycho- psychologically, I mean, it was just, you know, we were pretty, pretty deep in the trenches on that. And so coming out of that year, I think it was for us to think about having a child, um, the burden, you know, kind of like the stress and burden of, uh, naturally trying to have a child again, yeah. um, as a way to say, well, Mercedes had, oh, it was part of kind of like our family plan when we talked early on and engagement of, you know, she expressed, you know, one day I've always wanted to adopt a child, whatever that is, something about adoption for her has always been just a part of what she imagined life would be like. So she brought that to my, you know, it was like, well, maybe do we do that now? Do we wait? And she's like, well, let's, she's like, I, I think I'd like to do that now. It feels a bit more linear where we're kind of just making some choices, checking off some boxes and going through a process. And at the end of that process, well, hopefully a child would be there, right? right so it, right. we're not relying on a biology. We're not relying on all that other stuff. Um, it wasn't until we started that that then Mercedes was like, well, hey, I think I'd really uh, like to adopt a child with special needs. And partly Mercedes has been involved in vocational work working with people with special needs for up to that point, it was like nine years. So she had tons of exposure. Um, she'd exposed me um, to a number of different groups of people with special needs prior within the two years we've been married and dating. So I had become um, kind of, I had resolved some of that discomfort and some of that early fear of me not understanding what it's like to be around people with special needs. Mm. Um, so we, we, we jumped into that process and um, basically, you know, long story short, uh, after a number of different pretty incredible things, we finished up a home study process by May and within two weeks we were getting calls and Sunflower was born June 3rd. And so then we, that was a Monday, found out about her on Tuesday, drove up on Wednesday, <laughs> met her on Thursday, took her home on Thursday. <laughs> Boom. You know, so I mean, it was just like, just kind of crazy. elation. Yeah, absolute elation. Like we yeah. were completely enamored and just rocked by the whole experience. And, 
um, by far has been one of the best ex- choices I have I have ever made. Yeah. And so and yeah. then yeah. Same. Yeah, and so and and the hard part was I think we didn't we didn't know what it meant for us to have um you know a child naturally like was that was it really a thing that that we weren't going to be able to you know and so yep. you know yep. um we found out on Good Friday nine months later <laughs> that Mercedes, Hello. yeah that Mer- <laughs> hey yeah, let's celebrate sunflower <laughs> evidently yeah you know well, nine, yeah nine months and then nine months later we found out pregnant with Rhodes so you know so they're eighteen months apart so they're thick right. as thieves they're like twins right now it's unreal. So, um, so we had, you know, not nearly as noble, uh, an experience. Um, one of our other children had been on the autistic spectrum. And so we had, we had dealt with that and, and felt very devastated for us. Um, autism looked like the rain man, you know, mm-hmm. with that Tom Cruise mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. and Dustin Hoffman. And, and there mm-hmm. was so much sadness and so many tears and, and such grieving cause it was a first child and and then we um were able through interventions and diets and all sorts of you know god stuff uh able to have him enter kindergarten without that diagnosis mm. so in three years we we recovered him and um eight days after <laughs> we'd recovered him uh, we get a phone call that our third uh, had down syndrome and we'd actually postponed having a third specifically because we were afraid of having a child with Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, and for some reasons that, you know, it's an interesting backstory, but it was, that was the reason we had delayed having a third. As my wife got older, wow. the chances increased. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there was, we found out three months before he was born. And, um, and one, of the, one of the things that was very interesting was um, our, our, our devastation came for two reasons. One, we were already sensitive and thought we'd already done the special ed thing with our first mm-hmm. child. So we were already vulnerable there. But this, the second thing was we didn't have a kid. We just had a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then you go yeah. to the genetic counselor and the genetic counselor gives you all these horrifying statistics. Then your doctor mm-hmm. has to say, well, you can, you can terminate. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. you, you're sitting in all of that. And it's like you, Heather. I mean, once Seth was here, I mean, literally, I, he, he, he's, it, my wife had a C-section, and so here he shows up, and I, the, if instantly, yep, he's got it. And then he was Seth. <laughs> yeah. He was Seth. Totally. There was no more grieving. It was like, here was Seth. But yeah. to live under the, under the kind of the tyranny of an unknown, yeah. you know, yeah. what this meant um, was, was really hard was really yeah. hard for us. Yeah. And so, you know, I, and I've talked to people who found, who gave birth and then found out their child had Down syndrome. Yeah. They had no idea. Yep. And then you, you guys chose. Yeah. And that was Sunflower. Like her parents, right. you know, they, uh, they birthed her and they were, they were actually also an older couple. Like she's got three other siblings out there, you know, that she's older than. And now it's what happened to them. They, they had her and, um, they were kind of in a rough patch in, in their marriage and what was going on. And they were like, there's, we just, we cannot imagine trying to raise this child right, right now. And the, her, her birth mother is actually adopted. So for her, she oh, had wow. somewhat of a backstory of, wow. of some reality of what that could look like in regards to mm-hmm. sunflower. So, so, so Heather, for you, you, mm-hmm. you, how far apart were the adoptions of Mason and August? Uh, so August, my baby, let's think, Mason was around five years old uh, when August came home. Okay. And we had the other in, in between then. So our kids are all about three years or two years, 10 months apart, something like that, a little less than three years apart. And they all came home young. Mason was three months old, Truly was six months old, and August was a newborn from the hospital. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and was there something about your experience with Mason that had, had opened you up to having another child with DS? Yeah, absolutely. It was every aspect of our experience with Mason. It was, Can it you was d- like, describe that. Yeah. Describe that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so it's, there are, there are a lot of aspects of raising a child with Down syndrome that make life more challenging. It's just the reality. <laughs> but what I tell a lot of parents and this is where I've landed eight years later. Like when I, even where I was a few years ago, is different than where I am now, which we can talk about some. But that I tell so many new parents or parents who have little ones with Down syndrome who are just like stealing all the systems and it's overwhelming, it's stressful, and what do you do? And all the therapies do that. That the hardest thing about Down syndrome is not Down syndrome; it's a society that refuses to accept it for what it is. Hmm. And if we lived in a world in a society that looked at Mason and August, my kids with Down syndrome, 
and said, you, exactly how you are, we're going to make it work. If that happened, our lives would be so much easier. Right. And, mm. But instead, it's like, no, you have to be more like everyone else. And so then it's like, okay, how are we going to do that? And all these sides, they're like, you can do the vitamins and the therapies and all the doctors and all these things, which we do a lot of it, you know? Yep. But why? What's the reason? Are we doing it so our kids are, are less down syndrome? I mean, we can go there later some more. But um, Yeah, we, yeah, we will. Mason. <laughs> so Mason's in our life. And I think the thing about it is, like you said, you hold Seth, and then it's, he's just Seth. And it's like, she's a kid. She's so incredible. And she also... I've, I have always felt like having a child with Down syndrome, is, I say, is like a front row seat to a kind of magic that there's, she sees the world through a filter that I can't access ever because I don't have Down syndrome, but that I get to like peek through from time to time because yep. of her. And even though a lot of times it's, it creates challenges because it's a world that doesn't want to look through that filter at all, yeah. um, it's also this idea of learning to love in a different way and watching her be so brave and so strong in ways that I'll never have to. And I feel like every person with Down syndrome has to really step it up in the areas of like bravery and strength. And um, just as they step out the door into a world that doesn't accept them for who they are. Yes. And then, you know, the the idea that most kids with Down syndrome are delayed. And so um, with, with every milestone she would hit, it was just this incredible celebration right. that felt like a gift, you know? Like, oh yeah, my you, gosh, everyone was just like in tears. Oh my gosh, her first step, you know, we're all hysterical, elated. And then all the way up to like at the playground, she just climbed the ladder to the slide and just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that part of it. And yeah. still to this day, because she's only eight, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally resonate. Having Having raised sort of two typical kids... And then having Seth and realizing everything you take for granted, you know, the steps, mm-hmm. the crawlings, the words, the claps, now gets magnified and celebrated and enjoyed so much yeah. more sweetly. Right. You know, I, I mean, I'll just never forget when Seth clapped. We we yelled and screamed so loudly we scared him, <laughs> um, I think, from repeating the behavior for another month or two. Yeah. But no, that's exactly exactly right, Heather. Now, now I think you raise a really beautiful point. What... Tell me, and I, and Andy, you chime in too. Mm-hmm. What what's it like to look through the eyes of of your kids in, in the way that you're beginning to describe? Hmm. What do you see when you look um, through her eyes? Yeah, I think one thing, and I don't, I I hesitate too because I I think I just want to say up front that everyone with Down syndrome is different. So what I'm saying it might be true for a lot of people with Down syndrome, but it's not true for every single human. Sure, because everyone's different. But I do think that there is she is so slow to judge people. Um, she has an unconditional love, not in that she's like warm and fuzzy and wants to hug everyone, which I think is a misconception about right. Down syndrome because that's not her personality. But that it's there's very little that you can do that's going to offend her or make her um, judge you or love you less. It's like she's trusting and has this, um, she has an instant grace for everyone who enters your life. Hmm. She just wants hmm. to know who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do, how you act, none of those things matter. All the things that when we first see someone, these filters, and that we instantly make a decision about who someone is because of all these filters in our lives and the way that society is, has um, created us to be in a way. Yep. She doesn't have that. That mm. doesn't exist. And I feel like that's such a gift. I want, to, I want to meet someone for the first time and see them the way that Mason does in a way that is just, like, unburdened. Yep. Mm. Mm. That's, that's how I feel. That's beautiful. Good. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think the the interesting thing for us lately has been, um, even to your point, Heather, that you know, yeah, that there's you know a common stereotype that all kids with Down syndrome are this you know huggy bear lovey kind of um, you know person, and there's been plenty of of oper- like circumstances where I've seen that you know play out, but in in Sunflower's case, like socially speaking, um, I absolutely I would totally argue that that just isn't isn't necessarily true for all kids with down syndrome I mean, in the case with sunflower um we've had to work a lot on some of like her social stuff like as of in the past kind of year totally. like we just recently pulled her from preschool um just because it was like we were we were seeing her actually be way more reclusive in social settings and not embrace her friends and actually be a little bit more resistant to us and 
um, we made some changes and put her in some different things. We got her involved in gymnastics, got her involved in ballet and now, and spending more time with her at home. Now it seems like she's got this different kind of social comfort. So we were, we were actually able to almost experience some of her anxiety in these social mm. settings. And, um, you know, I, th I think that definitely happens with typical kids, but in the case of like Rhodes, for example, he's, he's talking to us now and communicating. So he's able to communicate these yeses and these nos. And he talks about wanting to see his friends mm -hmm. and all that's there. But um, with Sunny still kind of delayed in her speech, we've had to really kind of put ourselves in her shoes mm -hmm. and try to like figure out, Oh, why, why is that happening? Or is like, we just kind of felt like the pace of her preschool class and just the rhythm of, of that particular thing was actually working against her and, and kind of like causing her to, to not be as receptive to other social um, experiences and she wasn't as warm and wasn't as mm. kind of loving. So that, that gave mm. us kind of a snapshot more into her world of trying to figure out, of trying to figure out what do we do and making some changes. And now she's returning it almost as if she's receiving, realizing you helped to resolve, you know, something I was struggling with. And now mm. I'm able to look like, you know, kind of move forward <laughs> differently. So it's, I love that. that's been really different. Seth, Seth is, I like to describe Seth as humanity stripped of pretense. So, <laughs> yeah. so Seth is fully okay. present in every moment. He, he, he's not afraid of the future. He's not regretting the past. He's fully immersed in his life. He, um, and, and his greatest joy is being included. His greatest fear is being excluded. Mm -hmm. End of story. Yeah. And if that isn't the essence of what it is to be human, I don't know what is. Right. Um, the thing mm -hmm. is, he just doesn't pretend um, in any way, shape, or form to be included or excluded. He's happy or he's sad or he's mad, and that's it. And, mm -hmm. and it's so humbling, you know, when you read about um, the least of these, when Jesus talks about whatever you're doing for the least of these brothers of mine, you're doing for me. Mm -hmm. And to have... To, to come home to one of the least of these. And yeah. I don't mean least in the sense of disabled. I don't mean that at all. Mm -hmm. right. I just mean mm -hmm. least in the sense of one who would be often overlooked. Yes. One who would mm -hmm. be, right. one who should be delighted in for who he is, but will be rather categorized and labeled and grouped together mm -hmm. and not, not treated as a unique individual. Yeah. Yes. And so Seth just teaches me so much about me, about God, about him. Um, we always, we get two hours a day, just he and I together when he comes home from school and it is, it's just hilarious what we end up getting into. <laughs> but I love Heather, I love the phrase, you know, kind of seeing through the world. Now, the reason, the reason we're having this conversation and we'll have it God willing until Jesus returns or he die, <laughs> we die or whatever is, is that, um, there is, uh, especially in Europe. There is a very deliberate um, plan of action to eradicate Down syndrome from the human population. So we have, right. um, you know, 90% abortion rate in, in England, um, I think in, in Finland. And I, I also think there was another country where it's literally they, they don't allow Down syndrome kids to be born. Yeah. There's an early detection sort of thing, and then and then it's a 100% abortion rate. Right, Iceland. Yeah, Iceland, Iceland. hasn't had a child born I with Down syndrome in five yeah. years. Yep, I, I kind of, I spent a little, like you mentioned it on, on when you were uh, talking uh, with the liturgists, and so I, I, oh. I jumped on that and looked into all of that and um, kind of tracked down some of the, more of the back studies and who, you know, where that was referenced and, and hearing more about that, and that was... Um, that was shocking, you know, and that it it kind of yeah. it, it struck me ethically. I'm like, what what do we what do we do with that? You know, do we, you know, be, you know, well, we did we... it in America right. in the early 1900s. Yeah. OK. This eugenics yeah. movement. There was an eradication right. to sterilize all mm. undesirables okay. from the population so that they could not reproduce. Right. Right. See, and I think like in that case, see, it's I think what's interesting, though, is like we're OK, because this has been a response out of it's been a choice of abortion. And that's what's produced the result, like at least in Iceland, by you know pre-screening testings and all of that, right. and then choosing mm -hmm. abortion and mm -hmm. not have them. What what I'm imagining or seeing coming is is because there's also medical stuff out there that's showing, you know, maybe we're able to actually cure Down syndrome in the womb, you know. So it's like looking at right. You know, what do we how do we feel about that? Like, is it, you know, yeah, are yeah. we in a culture where we want science to thrive that helps to produce healthy living? But yet, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, OK, but then is that 
imagining a world without Down syndrome and that because on the abortion side, mm-hmm. then I can I can make okay, well, yeah, I can. I'm not going to get so behind that in that particular sense, <laughs> but it, but it's like in, when I think about it more of like on that. that so let me ask. So let me yeah. ask two separate questions because yeah. that's two separate issues. Yeah. And Heather, you lead on these. Number one. Okay. Why does it matter to show our kids off? Why does it matter? What's it do to the world? What's it do to the church? To uh, what's it do to culture to have uh, Down syndrome kids highlighted? Uh, kids with Down syndrome, I mean, yeah, highlighted, treasured, showed off. You know, I, 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 I tend to call Seth kind of a prophetic witness. I mean, what's the language you would use for the benefit of families like ours uh, being very mm-hmm. public about this? Yeah, I think that um, I, I might go off a little bit here. I think that it's more more important is proximity. So you're saying, like, what does it do for culture? What does it do for the church? And I, I really think where I've landed right now is the exposure that we're giving our kids um, in order to, in a sense, normalize Down syndrome, or just, or I'm going to say to celebrate it, to say these children and these human beings and this entire people group is so worthy exactly how they are. We have so much to learn from them as people, as humanity, as culture. But I think that the proximity piece is key because I don't see enough change happening in our culture at all. I don't see enough change happening in the church as a whole at all because people are following us on Instagram or not. I think that when we get closer in our tighter circles, I see huge benefits and change when I'm with people who the only person they know now with Down syndrome are my children. And my children have 100% radically changed their lives. But that's a proximity thing. Um, I think the fact that the termination rate is as high as it is in other parts of the world and in the United States goes to show that things aren't changing the way that we maybe hope that they are in terms of culture. Like, we have to change the narrative. We have to shift the culture in the way that our kids with Down syndrome are viewed. But I, besides doing what we're doing, um, I don't know what the answer is except for proximity and relationship. But then I don't know how to make that. I don't know how to have everyone in the world have a relationship with someone with Down syndrome. You know, right, so I really right. don't know. I don't know how to change it. Um, but I am hopeful. I am a big believer in the importance of doing for one, and that telling your story and letting your story change the life of one person can happen. So I like. I feel like maybe I'm contradicting myself a little bit here, but. Um, no, for, for, first important. of all, you're totally free to contradict yourself. Andy does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that is just fine. But I, no, I don't, I don't see this contradiction at all. I see, okay. I see, I see proximity. I just, proximity can be expressed a lot of different ways. So it can yeah. be expressed through a book, like the story you're telling. It can be expressed through right. neighbors and actually singing, but it can be expressed in film. It can be expressed um, in sermon, it can be expressed in loads of different places. Right. So I totally mm-hmm. agree with the idea of proximity. I just think it, it's it's um, it, the the way to change the narrative um, is to operate mm-hmm. on all of those levels. Yeah, yeah. What would you, Andy? What would you? How would you answer that? Um, well, I think um, going off what you just said, Mike. I think part part of it is like there's because there's two types of proximity. There's this passive and active proximity. There's people who find the interest to then seek out more exposure, you know, trying to be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, my, it'll happen because well, I just had a, a brother who just birthed the child with Down syndrome. So like now they're like, well, I, I got to learn everything about it, you know? So like they don't, they might not want to be comfortable, but then they might, their only way of breaking down comfort, perhaps they won't pursue it. But rather than when that, that brother starts bringing around that nephew or niece all the time, all of a sudden, like then those walls and those guards start to fall down. So I think that there's both um, somewhat of, I think a successful opportunity for us as families to be doing what we're doing, proactively trying to expose people and bring our kids into more regular proximity of others to kind of break down that mm-hmm. initial discomfort and what it's like to be around people with special needs. Um, and then there's kind of that other end of what, what does exist in their world that's going out. That's interesting people to want to learn more, to see that the world is more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that does kind of happen sure through our social media accounts in film and other things that we do. Um, but I think part of it is like, how do we, how it, it's, it's just, it's, to me, it just seems like the, the issue with the broken world. Like some folks are just going to, to this day, like some folks in my parents' generation and older generation 
are sometimes like, oh, well, they only have a little bit of Down syndrome. They don't look at, you know, like it's funny. Like right. I've had that right, said right, to right. me. It's like, oh, well, it looks like she Not only has a damaged. little bit of it. Right. And you're kind of like, well, there's no like measure of like more or less Down syndrome. You know, it's not a, mm, you know, right, but right. it's like that's still a perspective or they immediately assume that their life is awful or that um, right. immediately pity is what they think of that scenario. But I mean, that's that's part of what what existed in that culture and in that time. So like this day and age with, you know, great things like, you know, born this way, more films being made, um, changing uh, advertisements, inclusive advertisement, uh, uh, inclusive Mm -hmm. advertisement Mm -hmm. with, um, changing the face of beauty. I mean, there's all Mm -hmm. of these different Mm -hmm. interesting movements that are helping to, to expose more of the, the typical world to people with special needs. Um, no, 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 that raises the second question. Yeah. All right. So let's say they come up with a cure, right? Right. What do we say to that, Heather? I mean, that irritates me um, because <laughs> because it's the whole it's it goes back to the core issue, the core issue of can our kids be who they are? So we can go like theological here, and are we are oh, we saying then that do it. Down syndrome is a mistake? Like, is it was this God? Is this a fallen world? Like, what is this? And I one hundred percent believe that it's God's intention that He created when He's talking about you know we're being fearfully and wonderfully made, knitting us in in our mother's wombs. I don't think it's like, I'm knitting everyone perfectly by my design, by my will, except these poor kids have this extra chromosome. Sorry about that, guys. I just believe that it's God's intention. So then we're saying, we're going to cure that. So I feel like even just the whole conversation of, well, let's find a cure for Down syndrome, we have to realize what's the root of that. So how far do you take that? So if a kid's born with uh, cerebral palsy, or totally. spinal bifida. I mean, would you want those yeah. cured, or are they are they yeah. f- they fearfully and wonderfully made too? Yeah. No, Mike. I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, and it's a it's a totally fair question. Where is the line? I think it's really blurred. And I and I think even just in regards to Down syndrome, when we are talking about curing things, mm-hmm. I think the line is very very blurry because I am having my children do physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, oral motor therapy. My mm-hmm. eldest daughter is in special tutoring twice a week. We're paying a lot of money for these things. We're yep. putting the inserts in their shoes. We're doing heart surgery. Yep. So I get I get that it can all sound like contradictory. You know, where do we draw the line? I don't know. But what I go back to is, for me, with Down syndrome, what is the purpose of doing all of these things? And when I talk to new parents, I say this a lot. What is our purpose? If our purpose is to make our child less Down syndrome, then I want I'm encouraging people and challenging people to check that. Good. You know, like my purpose is, and I have to check myself often. And I've, I've taken things off of my daughter's plate in checking myself. But yeah. I want my, ch- my children with Down syndrome to be the absolute best they can possibly be. Yep. And so we're going to pursue these other things, just like I am with my middle child, who That's right. is in Spanish class, and she's having a hard time in Spanish. She's in tutoring for Spanish, you know? Right. But I think, I think so, that is a beautiful distinction, Heather. We want our kids to flourish no matter what state they find themselves in. Yeah. And there are certain there are certain aspects of flourishing in this world. Mm-hmm. Relational capacities. You know, uh, one of our one of our dreams for Seth is that he would be um uh able to uh, enjoy uh himself socially. Mm-hmm. Um and not have to have constant supervision, you know, or right. you know, whether that's live independently or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. As we get to know our little guy, you know, we we're realizing no, there there are th- these things that are deficiencies in the same way our other kids have deficiencies that right. we're coaching and training and and what up. But the goal is flourishing. The goal isn't the lessening of Down syndrome. The goal is him flourishing as Seth. Right. Right. See, yeah. like, if, like for me, when we when we had, I was way more terrified when thinking about having my first son than I was raising Sunflower in her first year Why is of that? life. Um, thinking about a young male that has the full will and freedom to make choices, you know, like that isn't, Mm. isn't hindered by, you know, what, what we see common, you know, in people with Down syndrome as life goes on. Um, I think also being a a male terrified me. It was just like, how am I going to raise this kid to make good choices and to be able to release him into the world and, you know, actually model a life in which I would desire for him to have and that God would desire for him to have. And, um, that thinking of, of trying to do that. And, and now I think it's no different than sunflower. Like that's it kind of pre-birth. I think that was a lot on my mind and I've come to realize, well, it's not different with sunflower, but I think I realized with Rhodes and it's been an interesting journey with him for two years because 
Um, he's a bit more seemingly of a romantic, outrageously expressive. I mean, everything is turned up to 11 with him, whether he's sad or happy or excited. And what I could look at it the same way. Do I want to make him less emotional because he'll possibly thrive better in the world because he's more balanced? I could totally take that perspective. Mm. But that would be completely stripping him of his person and who he actually is. And so embracing him and in, in everything that he's been created for and then trying to understand how does he thrive with that you know gift set um to me doesn't look any different than sunflower you know here's here's what you've been handed and so okay how do we give you a life that is fulfilling that is um wonderful for you to have you know and and yep. and and to both of your points like giving her the attention whatever extra therapy she needs in order to thrive in those ways so that she could pursue the things that she might find to enjoy in life later on then that's i think that's absolutely our responsibility it's all but to me it's all a worldview perspective if you imagine that the, we're supposed to, the world is supposed to get better and become this purest mm -hmm. utopian society in which we eradicate all disease and we all kind of like thrive and function as like you know top 10 personalities then i think we're going to get it massively wrong like that's right. just not the narrative right. of god it's not the narrative of the world in any way every every society we've watched do that has fallen right and so um it's i think if we remove that from our personality then instead we're looking at we're looking at it a lot differently heather what have mm -hmm. what have been parts of the journey for you besides the infertility piece with uh with your two little ones with ds where where have, where's your throat caught a little bit where have you grieved a little bit where's where's you know my wife describes them as just kind of these moments of oh yeah 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 um of just kind of brief sadness over some thing um that, mm -hmm. you know you thought they could do and they can't or some sadness mm -hmm. you see in them where have been a couple of those yeah um Right now with our daughter, with Macy, because she's eight, she's in second grade, and we're in a school district that's not naturally inclusive. I, we're, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We're in a world that's not naturally inclusive. Yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. And, <laughs> and so I just had something happen the other day that I couldn't talk. I had, it was a front moment. I was going to cry if I had to talk. Oh, man. And so um, we, we, my middle daughter wanted to do gymnastics, and Mason didn't. So I, I signed up ahead of time, and I'm like, Mason, do you want to do this? No, 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 no. We get there, she changes her mind, which she does all the time, and we're trying to, like, teach her cause and effect, and, you know, <laughs> and whatever. But, I, so there's three classes happening. There's my middle daughter's age group, my older daughter's age group, and then a younger class. And I go to the, so they started, and they all warm up together, and I go to the front desk, and I say, hey, my daughter decided she wanted to start. She's eight, is there a room in that classroom? And she goes, da, da, da. yeah, there's a room. I go talk to the coach, because I'll talk to the coach, comes back and says, the coach wants to do an assessment before she starts. Um, to make sure that, like, that the class will be okay for her, and because she has Down syndrome. Okay. And I said, okay, so you're telling me if she didn't have Down syndrome, she could start the class right now? And she said, yes. <laughs> and bless her heart, she's just working the back desk. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the front desk. And I and I got so angry, and I just said, you you recognize this is ableism. Like she she should be able to start this class. <laughs> is he worried about her behavior? Right. Is he worried about her ability? It's a beginner's class, right? Like, this is the beginner class for her age group. Yes, beginners. Okay. So, again, can I just clarify here? If she didn't have Down syndrome, she could start. Mm. And she's like, yeah, I think so. And I, and then Mason was so excited. So then I said, Mason, honey, I'm so sorry. You can't do the class. And we had to sit and watch. And she, her whole demeanor changed. Um, and she just sat. I took pictures of it because it was the saddest thing. And I was going to write some, like, big ranty blog posts that I'm going to have time to do. And um, she's just watching, and she's so sad. And I just sat in this chair in this room with all these parents, so angry to my core. And I and I text my husband and said, can you just leave work a little bit early and pick up Mason and take her to ice cream or something? Like, I cannot mm -hmm. handle her being in this environment. And I was so close to, like, pulling my other daughter out of the class. Like, there's no way we're going to allow anybody in this kind of environment. But I also recognize that people are well-intended, that it's just ignorance. It's so much ignorance. And that we're fighting these systems. And so I know these systems are in place, but when, but from time to time, um, it just stops me in my tracks. And I think I should not be fighting this on my own. Every parent in this room should be upset with me. Like this, I'm so tired of the responsibility just being on my shoulders for to shout the words of people who have a disability. Everyone in here needs to be angry about what's happening here because your child is going to benefit from my child being in, in their lives. Boom. Please see this. Why can't you see this? Why can't you see this? And so, it happens at 
school. I mean, it's all the time. So define ableism. Um, ableism, I think if you think of it in terms of like racism, like being, um, and sexism. So discriminating against somebody because of their ability or lack of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and for you, how else does that play? How, how else have you seen that play out? Um, I think our, it, our culture is so unbelievably seeped in it and people don't even know what it is. Nobody, yeah, yeah. people, so, um, the fact that when my kid with Down syndrome is starting school, um, right now my, my youngest is getting ready to start preschool and he's being, doing all the assessments and I'm just in a different headspace right now and I'm sitting in these rooms watching them assess him and I'm thinking, okay, why are we doing this? So to see if he's good enough, not good enough, smart enough, not smart enough. Like there's something about him that isn't enough that mm-hmm. he can just start preschool. Yeah. Um, I think, I, so I, I believe that these systems that were put in place initially to help protect people with disabilities, possibly, they're just outdated. And no, and the people who are running all these systems, I wonder the last time they actually like sat down and did a brainstorm with parents who have disabilities and adults with disabilities and said, this is how we're running things. What do you think? Is this working for you or not? Because yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I talked to so many parents that the systems in place are not working for our kids and our families. Oh, yeah. And we're fighting them and we're fighting them and we're fighting them. And they were put in place initially for our kids. Right. Right. So I think just the, like the school system itself is an example of ableism. Yeah. Um, you're discriminating against my kid and saying that she can or cannot be here or there can or cannot do A, B, C, and D mm-hmm. because she has a disability. Right. right. How have you seen it, Andy? Um, I mean, I, I see it in a couple in the more outrageous ways. I mean, we have a, a couple YouTube videos that have gone viral in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And I get comments on those pages that are, I mean, flat out just like hate speech stuff about, you know, Sunflower and even stuff thrown at Mercedes for being half black and so it's kind of you know it, it's almost the interesting assimilation where it's like the commentary and the, the word speech is the same you know so you get you get that mm-hmm. easy for me i get a really easy alignment between ableism and racism like i see that kind of firsthand in that way mm-hmm. um i mean i see it even on some of the state and government you know systems in which we're kind of in part with like we um uh, we work with like IHSS, which is a California state system in which uh, allows uh, Mercedes to stay at home and act as a, a caretaker. And that program is there to fund folks to take care of people with special needs. And like it's, you know, it's all the entire assessments are incredibly subjective to your local worker. And you're like, they if they don't have a child with special needs, they're coming into your house and going through an assessment list and just trying to decide, OK, well, this is how many hours that you get. And it's just it's crazy. Like we got four other moms that we're friends with who all qualify for X amount of hours and our kids are no different. But right. yet, for whatever reason, we've had two workers who've come with us and like, oh, well, no, you don't really qualify for all these other things. And it, it's it's totally that backflip where it's like it's almost the opposite. It's like she's almost she needs to be less capable in order to qualify for right. this other stuff. Right. Exactly. And that's where mm-hmm. I just it just it racks my brain because I'm just like, I just. I'm not, it's like, we're not trying to work the system. It's like, this is, you're saying that if this is what we're dealing with on a daily basis, then therefore this should qualify it, which we're telling you it does, but then you're deciding it's not like on what, on what standard and level and plane are you even coming to that conclusion with? Like it's, it's totally a massive systematic issue that to your point, Heather, it sounded like was designed to help people at some point in time, Mm -hmm. but has actually now become a way to protect the other systems that are in place, you know, like how to, mm-hmm. cause it, it, you know, in the case totally with IEP and working with kids in schools and doing that assessment, so much of it is the preparedness of those of the teachers for the kids in the room, you know, it's like, well, like, cause if we put her in the room, how can we make sure that she's best taken care of? Right. It's like, how can mm-hmm. you make sure that, you know, the kid over here who's, you know, significantly extroverted and the kid over here who's significantly introverted and the kid over here who's all like this, mm-hmm. what are you doing to make sure that they're taken care of? Nothing. Right. We just assume that right. they walk into the classroom and then they could learn just as well as anyone else. I was like a C and D student most of my life. 
because of none of us are shocked. And, and there are certain areas I thrived in. I did great in music and band. Those were four easy A's like every year in high school. So that's what balanced my GPA. But it's like there was never anything designed to help me actually thrive in yeah. how I learn. So why didn't I get to yeah. go through an assessment? Maybe I would have liked to gone through an assessment to figure out if I was going to have a good learning structure. But no, we don't. We don't do that. Right. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. I get that. Dang, you guys. <laughs> How do you feel? What do you think, Mike? What do you think about yeah. these things? Oh, I love listening to you. Um, <laughs> Heather, you are, uh, as, we, as we commented last time, just unbelievably articulate. And I so appreciate what you're doing and, and okay. using um, uh, the platform that God is building to, to show off our little guys. I mean, to me, we've always just been very assertive about showing Seth off. And yeah. we, we stare back at people when they stare or, uh, we'll That's walk, gotta be scary. we'll walk, we'll walk him <laughs> over. Like we'll have, we'll have kids stare and we'll just be like, Hey, this is Seth. Seth has down syndrome. You know, I mean, we just have been always, we try to be joyfully non-compliant in the, yeah. uh, the playing into the assumptions that this is awful, bad, horrible, whatever. Um, we see it. Uh, we see it when, um, Seth doesn't have get play dates. Yeah, you know, um, the other two are welcomed, you know, all, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Seth, Seth mm -hmm. doesn't get play dates. That makes us sad. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, you know, for him to have friendships that are his friendships only, I mean, that just is not happening mm -hmm. yet. Oh. It's they're all vicarious yeah. friendships through the other two kids. And yeah. so we're that's a bit of sadness for us. And and you know, some families I think would love to have us over, but they're not quite sure what they're getting. You know when Seth when Seth goes, you know, because he's he's agile, mobile. You know, he's putting stuff in his mouth. He's chucking stuff to see if it breaks. And literally, if we go somewhere, one of us has to just follow him around, so we can't enjoy whatever family right. we're with. And so, those that's not ageism or ableism as 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 much as it is just a cost that that was surprising to us. Um, mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a, a loaned us a little bit. And then we worry about our other kids and are they experiencing all that they would experience and, you know, so mm -hmm. on, so on, so on. But, you know, as I listen to you talk, it, it, it's so funny. I just have, I have, um, because Seth is, is, you know, the same age, uh, as, as Mason. I mean, I just think I, but I don't have, I don't have another child to, to kind of see, um, Seth has just, uh, he's always just been Seth and we celebrate every mm. little thing that comes his way. And we, we've given up, you know, uh, the, the typical dreams that, that we had, but in their place, haven't come disappointments. They've just become new dreams mm. and mm -hmm. they're Seffy, they're Seffy shaped dreams, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and to see him conquer things has just been, been remarkable. So Anyway, I, I, um, I love hearing you both talk because I think there's something about, um, yes, proximity, but yes, solidarity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the, in right. the, you know, I mean, to hear, to hear, to talk to parents whose, 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 uh, uh, boys who have Down syndrome going through puberty. I mean, that sounds oh. like that's going to be, mm -hmm. that's going to be interesting. And uh, yeah, I'll be praying for Josh for sure. Oh my goodness! Interesting. It is. Oh yes, yes. Seth is already. Oh, he's already trying to kiss Hannah like with both hands, you know, on her cheeks, and give her a long kiss. And Hannah's freaking out. Oh shoot! Him. I know. So so that so that awaits us. So we never want to paint an overly rosy picture because of course there are right. challenges, and of course there are sadness, and of course they're still grieving. But little of that sadness and grieving has to do with our children. It's right. how we see our children treated, excluded, you know, and how they then react to those things that are some of the, the causes right. of great sadness. Right. Yeah. That yeah. distinction. It's not that I'm, I'm grieving Seth. No, I, I love Seth. Yeah. We, we have a great time together. Right. It's just that mm -hmm. when, when he starts bouncing against the, uh, the ableism, which is a word I'd never heard, the ableism in the world... Um, and you see him saddened because of it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. we, we met a family at great, the great wolf lodge, uh, who, who they had a little boy. He was probably 13 who had, uh, who had DS and was, was, and, 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 and he was now aware that he was different from other kids mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. was terribly sad 
Mm-hmm. And his parents said he hadn't always been sad. He'd, he'd always been very joyful. And, but now that he knew he was different, that was a, a occasion for him to feel very, very sad and withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with Seth, I'm sure with Mason as well, certainly with Sonny, um, you know, there, there, there's utterly no conception of different. It's just, oh, you are a person to be seen and observed and perhaps hugged <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm in a good mood. Um, so I, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting journey that, and we just want to be really, really honest about it. Right. What was, yeah. what caused you to write the book? following, uh, and then basically someone who followed us worked for a publishing house and asked if I'd be interested. And this was like three years ago. And I thought, haha, yeah, sure. And then Googled her to see if she was legit. And then we just started this, this journey. Um, and there were lots of different changes that happened in those years. And it just was an opportunity. I feel like I just, I talk about it like it's just my heart on paper. I got to share this story and relive it. And um, so there's a lot about adoption. There's a lot about infertility, about birth parent relationships, and about Down syndrome. But more than that, it's just this idea that God's calling us all to really big, risky things. And we need to step into those yeah. and let him let him lead us into those, you know, and, and be okay with messes and be okay with, with hard times. Right. Um, it, if it's what God's calling us to. And I think he's calling all of us to do that to something. for the sake of others. Right. Yeah. To something. And I think it should, it is always or should, well, I don't know. You can correct me here, pastor, but it should always be linked <laughs> to for the sake of someone else, for Come the on. sake of others and Someone's for preaching. the sake of the least of these, you know, right. Right. the least of these, Orphans, people with disabilities. I mean, it's like these are the people who God's heart is bleeding for. He loves them so much, and we need to have the same posture of having our hearts bleed for them. So, and extending so love when when love are you going to start preaching? Like, when can I <laughs> when can I bring you yeah. in the box I mean, and have you preach a sermon? You <laughs> yeah, I will. I so I am terrified of of that. I will do. I will like do an interview any day of the week. Put me on stage, interview me. Let's do it. But the thought of just being so on a stage... Yeah, that's what I'm talking Lord, about. I know that's what you're talking about. The Lord hasn't called me to that yet, Mike, unless he's whispering in your ear. Oh, he's whispering. <laughs> he's shouting. <laughs> um, okay, so, that's, uh, so that's, uh, that'll be our next That'll be our next goal, is to get you... Perfect. Maybe we could team teach or something. You're, <laughs> you're just too dang articulate, Heather. Um, so, so describe the name of the book and what it means. Yes, the name of the book is The Lucky Few. And when I started using that phrase, it was just with Down syndrome in mind. I feel so few of us have a loved one with Down syndrome, and those of us do are so lucky. Um, but then it turned into more as I've journeyed through adoption and with our middle daughter, who doesn't have special needs, but God's shown me so much through her. And so it's more the idea that God, what I was just saying a little bit, God is calling all of us to and ushering us into a place that's going to require great risk and sacrifice. And once we leave our nice, easy path and go into the wilderness and into the muck and the mud and discover him and this beauty that's been there and this richness and worth. Um, those of us who actually take that risk are few and we're very, very lucky. I love that. So yeah. Oh, that's so good. Team. All right, let's close. <laughs> let's close with this. Um, I need, I need a, a just a, an incredibly cute story. Like for instance, oh, okay. um, yeah, about, uh, about, about your kids, just one thing they're doing right now that is just hilarious. So Seth, uh, and, and he's still doing this from the last time, but, but Seth loves to have the window down in my big truck and the wind blowing in his face where his mouth is wide open, his tongue is out, his <laughs> eyes are closed, and he's just in this expression of glee and joy and delight. And then whenever we come to a stoplight, he starts, he starts talking to the cars next to us <laughs> and to watch people... Uh, particularly motorcyclists who pull up next to us and he's just like, hi, and talking to them and they have no idea what he's saying, but he's just chatting and it's wonderful and, and they end up laughing and it just, it, it's so funny. You take the driving uh, in Southern California, the most isolating kind of non-hospitable <laughs> environment we got yeah. and yeah. introduce Seth Erie into the equation. And then all of a sudden it's just funny. <laughs> and so anyway, that's something, that's something he's still doing that just delights me to no end. That's fine. How about Sonny? Yeah, I'll share. Um, 
it's uh there's a few things i mean even this morning um her her little baby doll is becoming one of her partners in crime with everything that she does so she's mm. got this oh, little baby doll so this morning even uh she was she's loved now to like kind of lean over and and uh kind of uh, rest her head on the ground and like look between her legs so she'll do it with the baby doll so she'll like get the baby doll in position and like do it with her and nice, so she's nice. she, that was really cute this morning um because ds kids are so flexible oh, it's ridiculous. so flexible she prank calls mm-hmm. people all the time so she's in yes. she's really good on our iphone yes. so she's always calling people That's facetiming cute. people she's becoming a bit more of a photographer so like she mm. now will like when she gets the phone she'll turn on the camera and she's full on blasting photos at things and then like showing people oh yeah so like she's oh, even yeah she's been able to like take pictures of friends like while mercedes is talking to someone and then she'll walk over and show her that she took a picture of her you know, so it's it's just she's picking up on that kind of entertainment of taking photos, looking at them and yep. and that whole thing. Um, so it's she ate in the Mercedes has been super excited. Like her food expansion is going right now. So she ate like, sal- oh, cool. like last week she started eating salad, like even for a child to be eating salad and she <laughs> likes it. We're like, what is happening right now? You're, it's like so texturally for her that she's into it. And there's just these little new markers of just motion and interest and um just life and personality starting to really blossom in this kind of age period and i mean i i could go on every moment of these is just so like blasting cute so uh, so yeah, fun. yeah she's at a fun age too yeah. or uh, so fun, fun. <laughs> hold on my wife's um, calling my wife's calling it's oh, been a yes. while since she's interrupted Perfect. the podcast hello hello justina you're on the podcast oh i so forgot i am so sorry how are all you right, baby I, oh my goodness, Princeton, Notre Dame, down to the wire. Okay, well, we're we're working. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> at your school <laughs> right oh, now. Well, it's my prep period. Oh, okay. My my wife's a March Madness uh, fanatic, <laughs> so we're on the phone. Remember he- Heather Avis? You remember Heather? Hey, Justine. So we've been, Hi, Justine. So we've how been. How are your kids? She said, "How are your kids?" Oh, everyone's doing good. We're we're doing good. We've just having a podcast about that very subject, my love. Bye, I love you. Bye. Okay, I love you. Oh, sorry, bye. Bye. She had called twice, so <laughs> and she's she's a regular yep. she's a regular call in guest. Yeah. Unknowingly <laughs> in the podcast. Um, I love that. I love that you do that in your podcast and don't edit it out. It's but, one of my favorite things. I, oh my I'm goodness. a box listener, so you know. I listen to all of your podcasts. Oh learn, so. Heather. <laughs> Bless, bless oh, you. You're never going to get those hours back. I know. I know. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. I didn't realize it, I didn't realize you were struggling with insomnia. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. Let's hear. Let's hear are, from you. With my kids. Yeah. Yep. So I'll do one of these. So um, with August, August is a three-year-old boy, and while he has like your real typical boy tendencies, he's so freaking tender-hearted, and all he spends a lot of his day with his babies, which are. Um, his sister is dolls, but mostly Goofy. So he has a, a he's obsessed with Disney, and Goofy is his guy. And he nice. has like a Goofy doll, a bigger one and a smaller one. So we have Daddy Goofy and Baby Goofy. And he just like wakes up in the morning and he and he this morning he goes, "Where's Daddy Goofy?" So I get him out, and he gets his Daddy Goofy, and then he just like runs around the house with Daddy Goofy, and then he like lays him down on the bed and puts the blanket over him and lays next to him. And if you walk over and talk to him, he looks at you and goes. I think he's sleeping. And then he like does his thing. It's oh. so ridiculous. Come on. He does it all day. He loves stuffed animals, a little tender heart. Oh, oh man. And then um, Mason Hope is in a hip hop class. Oh yeah. And so our and it's it's amazing. She's so <laughs> incredible, and she blows my mind in this class. And it's one of those like it is for sure a system that is not creating space for her, but we are forcing ourselves in yep. it. Yep. Yep. Um, and she. So she just walks around all the time, either doing like five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, like hair flips. So we'll, we'll just be walking, like waiting in line somewhere, and she just busts out her hip hop. Absolutely. Um, As it should. She, a, she started leaving the room doing a booty shake, so to, <laughs> like to be funny. Oh my. So she'll, we'll be, she'll be like, bye, and then she'll be like, booty shake, and shake her booty, and then crack up and walk wherever she's going does it all the time i'm sure she does it at school which is totally inappropriate but totally we're not shutting it down yet seth, we're so, gonna let it seth Erie is a fan of taylor swift and the shake oh, it yeah. off video it included many different styles of dance oh yeah 
right? the only one Seth gravitated toward was twerk. So <laughs> yeah. Seth okay. loves to just walk up to you, turn around, and start twerking, and then oh look at you to see how you're going to handle this. So, um, yeah. yes, and it can happen anywhere. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason or music needed. Uh, Heather, uh, the book <laughs> we're, we're super excited about. Um, because we know you and love you and respect you and and the integrity of your story because it because it, yes it is about your journey with these kids but the deeper issue is it's your journey with god yeah and god <laughs> and god saying hey i need you to trust me on this one and you going mm-hmm. ah okay and here's where it goes so mm-hmm. um it's called uh called the lucky few and it is um, uh, out next Tuesday. Yep. Uh, when you when you hear this, it'll be the next day, um, World Down Syndrome Day. And uh, so we're thrilled to have you with us. Thanks for listening to the to the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah. what a, what a delight you are! You are awesome. And yes, that you will be preaching at some point. <laughs> I am announcing you will be preaching on the Vox stage, so it'll be fantastic. <laughs> yep. Oh, shoot. All That's right. Cute. And then real quick, Heather, where uh, where can people find out more about you and uh, and, and follow along? Yeah, so we're at heatheravis.com, and on Instagram, it's Macy, M-A-C-Y. Macy makes my day. Boom. All right. There we go. Yep. All right, Heather, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Yep. Andy and Mike, thank you guys so much. You're the best. Oh, you are. You got it. So we love Heather. Um, so grateful to talk with her, but I, I just want to remind us, I know we said it in the interview, but I just want to remind us why we do this because there are people in the world, um, who believe that to have a, a society free of people with down syndrome is a good thing. Yeah. And, and we want to say that that sort of hubris and that sort of invasive medical technology and that sort of, um, discriminatory judgment Mm-hmm. Um, would rob humanity of something incredibly beautiful and important. What Seth brings, what Sonny brings, what, what Mason and August bring to the planet um, is worth the difficulty, the, uh, the, the, the every now and again grieving, the extra work right. is absolutely worth it. And so what do they bring? They bring the reminder and the prophetic witness against the powers and the principalities that want to reduce human life to functionality and efficiency. Yeah. And these, these kids remind us, no, no, no. Human life is measured in joy and it's measured in relationship. Right. And, um, and, and, and so to, to eradicate, to even see that as a potentially good thing is antichrist. Mm. We just see that from the, from the deepest, darkest pits of whatever hell there is right uh and so we every march we will have this conversation yeah we will update our kids um and and the reason we talk about them uh, sometimes i get criticized because i don't talk about my other two a lot i'm like well they're great kids yeah um but but seth I, I want to continually remind people what seth is bringing to the table because no one questions whether or not my other two should be here Right. Right. They yeah. question whether or not Sefi should be here. Yeah. And so, so I want to be joyfully non-compliant in their wishes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so that's why we do this. My brothers and my sisters, we just, we, there is a theology of disability we can get into that, that would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that is good. We should do that. Yeah. Okay. We can do a theology of disability, um, or a theology of ability. Yeah, uh-huh. to flip Ooh, it. Yes. That's that's very Jesus-y. Ooh. So um so anyway, uh just if you want to pick up our book, great. We never want to be a podcast that's promoting books or just talking to people when they have something to promote. Um but with something like this, she's a friend yeah. and we're proud of her. Yep. And she's got a story we're telling. And so that's you know that's worth it. We're proud of her. Um so a couple other things. Uh Patreon, my goodness, you guys! I, I we, I'm tired of saying thank you to everyone new that keeps joining after every <laughs> podcast. Thank you. This is ridiculous. You are opening up. We were talking yesterday about how to expand um, the podcast, and um, and not because you know we want to take over the world, but because we actually think there's a place for this in the big co- kind of cultural conversations. We actually have options. That um, we we have because we're being supported right. uh, so generously, yep. and uh, that's an amazing amazing thing. 
Um, for those of you that rate us and like us and share us, that is that all, we 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 follow it all and we're grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're going to introduce a new feature today. Um, we we decided we're gonna we're gonna start doing some Q's and A's, and uh, and and we do Q and A when with with our kind of church. We have this little church in uh, in Northern Orange County, and we we do Q and A's, but we only have time for kind of three or four. Um, I've give, they give me like a five minute clock to solve the mysteries of the Trinity and you know, hell or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so we can't get to all the questions we get and we get questions from, uh, podcasters, yep. uh, that sometimes get turned into sermons or sometimes get turned into podcast episodes. But what we decided to do was, uh, to keep leaning into Facebook live a little bit because I have a face for Facebook no question about it. And, um, and start trying to answer like questions in short snippets that are more easily shareable because one of the things we've heard from you is hey love the podcast it's tough to dig through an hour and a half mm-hmm. for this really juicy nugget i'd love to share with my friend yeah so we want to start just introducing the juicy nuggets or at least what we think possibly could be yeah. out into the uh into the uh web see it's one thing to take a rotisserie chicken where you're like this whole thing is delicious it's another thing to slice off some pieces and then deep fry them and then give give someone a few of those i mean that's you know then you could experience the juicy flavor of the whole chicken in bite-sized form wow uh, that is exactly the analogy that was in my mind when <laughs> when we uh, we dreamt this so um so as anyway we'll wrap this up uh our websites are vox community uh, Vox, uh, no, 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 that's our podcast. So, okay, hold on. Nope. No. Voxoc.com <laughs> is our church. Yes. And that podcast so. is called Vox Community. Vox Community. And then we have this podcast is called Vox Podcast. And that's at Voxpodcast.com. Okay. All right, good. Um, so I wasn't terribly off. It, it's all <laughs> it's all terribly confusing to me. Yeah, Q, Q&A in a few minutes should be really interesting now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let me let me go take it. When you're listening to this, pen. though, it should have it it um it'll be it'll be coming out in a day or two. So, all right. Yep. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance to you and may He in these days may He give you peace. Until next time, my brothers and sisters. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast, and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash Vox Podcast.